this weekend retreat with Father Joseph Faulkner on the topic of biblical prayer and its benefits was given March 6 to 8, 2020 at Our Lady of Good Counsel Retreat House. These and other recordings are available at our website, goodcounselretreat.com. So here we are, your own retreat. Some of you who have done retreats before, some of you might, this might be an utterly new experience. That's okay. Um, like I said, we're going to do a few more informational things afterwards uh, in, in the, down in the cafeteria area. Uh, but otherwise, I just want to now invite you, uh, something that I heard one of my, the first retreats I went on in the seminary, um, a priest talked about how um, you, people go on retreat, and there's three different ways they do it. Some of them um, just put their foot on the brake and come to a stop. And they just stay there with their foot on the brake, but the car is still running and it's actually still in gear. Other people at least go ahead and put it in park, right? And then get themselves a little more, a little more in retreat mode, right? And then the third group actually turns the engine off. And his advice to us was turn the engine off. Whatever it takes to truly be at rest, whatever that means to shut down your heart, your, not your heart, but your, 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 the loud parts of your mind and the loud things around you and your reminders of things back home, if that means turning off your phone completely, if that means doing other things. That's why we have the silence to help us not just hold the brake down, not just put it in park, but actually turn the engine off and really get time to rest with the Lord and let him speak to us. And it is a pretty brief amount of time, so it, all the more so do we have to consciously make that action, right? You do like a five-day retreat, it's going to force you to turn off the engine. Here you have to choose, but I'm actually coming to a, a full stop and I'm going to stay here for a while. Unfortunately, you lose an hour. You get, you get cheated. You guys get one less hour than everyone else who ever does a retreat because tomorrow night is daylight savings time. Um, so we're actually going to end things just a smidge early tomorrow night um, to try and ease our transition. So just know that that will be coming. And uh, a little bit about the topic here. So um, as you probably saw in the uh, introductory materials, the topic is generally about like Scripture and how it helps us pray and how we can use it to meditate and get more out of our faith and just get closer to God by knowing how to speak to him and how to let him speak to us. But since we're starting with Mass, it makes good sense to kind of see how Mass and the sacraments also do that and how Mass and the sacraments are filled up with the Scriptures. And you know that. You, you probably Most of you have been Catholics all your life. You recognize things like, oh, I've heard that quote before. It's at Mass. Nah, that's right. That's where I've heard it before. When John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. You're like, I know that one. Right? Or it goes in the opposite direction. Right? Like you're reading you know, the, 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 something out of Mass and you begin to realize, Oh, I think I heard a talk and like some, some person referenced this from Scripture. And luckily, since we have Google now, you can just Google that. In the past, we had to really like, figure out, How do I find that quote? Now life is easy, right? Um, but we know that Scripture and the sacraments are tightly bound together, um, even starting at the second Mass, right? The first Mass, of course, is the Last Supper, Holy Thursday, uh, before Jesus dies. But the second Mass, we're told, is on the way to Emmaus, right? Or at Emmaus, right? On the way to Emmaus, Jesus walks with the two, and then when they get there, they stop, and Jesus breaks the bread, and that's when they recognize him. But when he disappears, they have that great line about, were not our hearts burning within us along the road as he opened up the scriptures and explained them to us, right? Because they didn't get it, 
right? They're downcast. They're, they're hurting, right? Because the one they thought would be there to save Israel had just been killed two days before, right? They had, they had no hope. So he had to take it through book by book, chapter by chapter, explaining what God was doing in his creation and his covenant and all through the dark story of Israel's ups and downs so they could see how Jesus' dark part of the story was both the culmination of the story and the beginning of a new story, right? Then their hearts were burning within them. Then they longed to see him. Then they had hope. And then it was satisfied in the breaking of the bread, so much so that they would run all the way back to Jerusalem and say, we've seen him, we've seen him to the other apostles. And there's so many other things that maybe aren't a direct reference at Mass, but that come out to us. Um, This next one I I can't take credit for. I I steal it from my uh, seminary classmate, Father Brendan Kelly. He probably stole it from somebody else, too. That's what priests do. We steal, right? But it's all legit. You know, it's all within the Catholic world we can share. Um, But he was the one who first pointed out that, you know, uh, at Mass, it's really quiet. During the Eucharistic prayer, right? You know, there's, the only person speaking is the priest, and he's really he's focused, and he's talking to God. By the way, um, Mass here is set up for Mass ad orientum. That's how they usually do it here in this chapel. I said, well, I usually do that at St. Wenceslas in Wahoo anyway. I said, we can leave it like that, and I'll kind of explain it as we go. But one thing that's nice about it is it does help emphasize the idea that we're all praying to God together, right? There's not me facing you and you facing me, and it's confusion of who's talking to who when. At least at those key parts, everyone is facing together uh, and worshiping God together. But I digress. I'm getting off. Um, you know, the Eucharist prayer is pretty quiet. We're focused. We're praying, right? And, uh, but it, there's one really loud moment, and that's when we ring the bells, right? And uh, it's there to wake us up if we've been kind of snoozing, kind of drifting during the, the first parts of the prayer, right? Um, or you're chasing kids and trying to wrangle them, right? Uh, but those bells ring. And, uh, and what's cool about that is, uh, that Father Kelly pointed out to me, is that, do you remember when Jesus in Luke 19 is coming into Jerusalem on the donkey on Palm Sunday morning, right? And the, the people are crying out, Hosanna to the King of David, right? Uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're singing that as they go along. And uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priests are upset, and they say, tell them to be quiet, right? Silence your, your followers. They're, they're blaspheming. And Jesus says, I assure you, if they didn't say it, the very rocks would cry out. And then you think about, well, bells are made out of metal, and metal is made out of melted-down rocks. So literally, when we're all being quiet, the, the rocks are crying out. They're crying out with exactly the, the song that, um, that the people were crying, Hosanna to the Son of David, right? That's, that's the second part of, of the... Um, of the, the the Holy Holy, the Sanctus, right? It begins with Isaiah 6, that image of uh, all the seraphim and cherubim in the sky singing, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. That's from Isaiah. But then we shift and we take this quote out of Psalm 118, which I'll talk about another time. But anyway, there's all these prayers during Mass that we can, that we can get so much out of. Some of them are there every single time we go to Mass. Other ones are things that, that are change every single day. Uh, like I mentioned right there, the Holy Holy, right? It, you know, it pulls us in to the great throne room of God. Isaiah gets this chance to look into the worship of the angels all around God's throne, and he's, he's so, so taken aback that he says, you know, I am an unworthy man with unworthy lips from an unworthy people, right? And the angel swoops down and grabs the coal and touches it to his lips uh, and says, okay, now you're purified. Now you can go. And it helps us understand why we do these purification rituals right before the Eucharistic prayer, right? We say all oh, these, these certain prayers, the priest washes his hands, right? Things of saying, purify us, 
priests and people as we approach the altar. We even ask you. We priests turn around and beg you. Pray that my sacrifice and yours. Pray that we might worthily do this, right? We're approaching the throne of God. This is kind of scary, right? We're saying, you know, pray, let's pray together that this, that this is, you know, uh, done the right way, right? I mentioned that that Psalm 118, you'll hear it on, on Sunday mornings uh, during morning prayer. It's this, this psalm of uh, danger in battle and this salvation. God has saved the, the king, the, the anointed one, right? And, and there's this great line about, you know, I shall not die, I shall live. You can see why the church picked it for Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning and all other Sundays. And then it has that famous line, the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You're like, oh, I've heard that one before. That's all over the place, right? That's all over the scriptures. We hear that one again, right? And then we hear, this is the day the Lord has made, which I learned as a little, like, seven-year-old as the annoying little high God uh, tape recording. This is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. That the Lord. Yeah, exactly. But when you realize, oh, that's like straight from the Psalms. Like, that's, that's, that's 3,000 years old, right? That people have been saying, this is the day the Lord has made. And it was satisfied on that first great Easter Sunday. And then it's part of every Sunday after that is really cool. And then comes that Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you're like, well, okay, now it's pulling these things together. All these things are, are pulling together. We're, we're, we're with Jesus coming into the city in this Parade, we're with Jesus at the cross, we're with Jesus at his resurrection. But there's so many little ones, and some that we might not even know. You know, I mentioned earlier the priest preparing himself, washing his hands. There's a little prayer that, you know, probably, it all depends on your priest. Some priests say it really, really loud so the whole congregation can hear it. Other ones say it quiet enough that only the servers can hear it, and if they're listening, if he doesn't mumble too much. And some say it so quietly that no one can hear it, other, you know, than he, he himself. But when, when the priest wa- uh, makes a little bow down and then turns to wash his hands, he says, but with contrite heart and humble spirit, let us be received, which is quoting Daniel chapter 3, talking about the people who are, who are dirty, as though it were burnt offerings of rams and bulls, of 10, 000, uh, tens of thousands of fat lambs. So he's saying, Lord, all we can offer you is our contrite and humble hearts. That's all we've got, right? Because in Daniel, they've lost the temple, they've lost the city, they've lost all these things. So they said, the Lord, our only sacrifice is our hearts, the only sacrifice we can give you is, is, is our, our humbled, humbled hearts and, and, and spirits, right? But that's the thing that the priest says before washing his hands, saying, yeah, all we can bring you is our fallen, imperfect nature, but we do it anyway because you told us to, because you commanded us to, right? And that, man, if you have that going into, into that part of the Mass, it just changes the whole sense of, yes, we come here humbly, but we're coming because you told us, Right? Think about the words we say right before the Our Father, right? You know, say, we talk about, you know, we dare to say. It is a daring move to call God your own personal father. They didn't like it when Jesus did it. They're ready to stone him for it, right? But we do it because Jesus told us to, right? Informed by his instruction, taught by his command, we dare to say, right? And again, those are the ones that, that, that never change. But man, it's crazy. You start looking in even the proper prayers. So I have the little um, app on your phone that lets you see the, the prayers for, uh, for the day. And uh, I, I was going to actually cherry pick from yesterday's prayers because they're like really, really good. I was like, oh, I remember that. I was like stuck with me even 24 hours later. But I was like, that's cheating. If you're going to tell people that the books always have good stuff, that there's always great stuff in every Mass, prove it by not cherry picking. So I looked again at today's. And this was our opening prayer we had just a few minutes ago. What do we say? Grant that you're faithful, O Lord, we pray, may be so conformed to the paschal observances that the bodily discipline now solemnly begun, may bear fruit in the souls of all. Okay, that's a lot. 
First of all, if you had to diagram that, there's a lot of subordinate clauses, right? The older translation didn't have that. It was like, Lord, you're really cool. Give us some stuff through Christ our Lord. Amen, right? Now there's all these because of this or on account of which and stuff like that. Like we're actually using English again, like using like the fullness of our grammar. But, but it's great because it says, okay, so grant to your faithful, right? Just, okay, so God, grant to your faithful, to your people. Um, grant that your faithful may be so conformed to the paschal observances. Now, if you get a chance to slow it down, which is the reason why it's good to read these things before or after, you slow that down, you're like, okay, paschal observances. Paschal means Passover. So that means Jesus' death and his resurrection. So that we can be conformed to his death and resurrection. That the bodily discipline, right? We sacrifice on Fridays. We sacrifice in Lent. We discipline ourselves. We give things up. We do extra things. That conforms us to the cross, the first part of the Paschal observance, right? That the bodily discipline, now solemnly begun, first week of Lent, may bear fruit in the souls of all, right? May we sacrifice, may we give up things, may we lose things, may we be uh, conformed to the cross so that we can have life, so that we can bear fruit, so that we can have our souls changed, so that we can be different people at the end of these 40 days, all that in just one little sentence, but you, you need, you tie, your brain needs time to figure it out, right? That's why it's not a bad idea to have, like, a, a Magnificat, right, where you can look at the prayers before uh, or after, right? Because if you, like, if you get a chance to meditate on it, you, you could really meditate on that very slowly. You could really take that line by line, even clause by clause, phrase by phrase, and really break that down and be like, ooh, that's what we're doing, right? We're coming to this place. We're doing a little mini Good Friday, Easter Sunday, every time we go to Mass, we're doing this in Lent so that we can be like Jesus, who suffers and yet is different on the other side, the one who goes through death and comes out the other end, right? And there's other ones, too. I could have, I, we could go through all of them, right? They, 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 literally, they all follow that theme, the one we're going to do in a second here. Accept these sacrificial offerings, O Lord, by which, in your power and kindness, you willed us to be reconciled to you. This is interesting, because oftentimes we think like, oh, when we say the offerings, we're talking like the body and blood of Jesus, but we're not. Every single time, it's, it, that prayer right before the Eucharist prayer, it's saying the bread and wine. It's, it's not transubstantiation yet. It's just the bread and wine. You're like, we brought stuff, right? We brought, our, we brought our bread, we brought our wine, right? On Sundays we bring money too, right? We brought all of our stuff, Lord, except the stuff we brought, right? By which... In your power and kindness, you will to be reconciled with us, right? So he's saying, we're going to bring you something pretty basic, fairly junky, bread and wine, right? But it's the best we got. And you're going to take that and by which you're going to reconcile with us. Because it's become Jesus' body and blood, and his body and blood reconcile the world on the cross. And so it all keeps pulling back to these ideas. Like, whoa, those two go together. And just to prove that it rounds all the way out, you can look at the final prayer. And it says... May the holy refreshment of your sacrament renew us, I'm sorry, restore us anew, O Lord, and cleansing us of old ways, take us up into the mystery of salvation, right? So it, it, it follows the same logic, right? So now we've eaten these things, the bread and wine that are no longer bread and wine, right? And they're going to restore us, right? We said something to make our souls new, right? Cleansing us of our old ways, right? Because we're giving stuff up. And then what? Even better, they're going to take us up into the mystery of our salvation, right? They're going to actually make us more and more like Jesus on the cross, like Jesus glorious in heaven, like the Jesus that we long to be. They're going to take us into that mystery of salvation. But again, 
they're coming quick, right? They're like a couple seconds, you know, and, and some priests talk faster than others. Let's just say that. Some priests are notorious for the speed at which they talk, right? And so it's a thing that, that you know, it's worth having something to look it up, and whether it be the iBrievery app or a Magnificat or, or whatever. I guess what I'm saying here is that all this stuff, this is great grounds for meditation. And it's not always directly from Scripture, which we'll talk about more. A lot of it's written by people who have devoured Scripture, reflected on Scripture themselves, and then wrote these, whether they be ancient saints like Gregory the Great or they be you know, newer saints that then the church picks up and, and uses their ideas, like St. Therese, right? They do that. It's great that every year uh, at the Easter Vigil we have the, the, the exultet, the big song we sing when we have the, the candle lit, and it's the only thing burning in the, in the darkness, right? And it talks about the bees. The new translation talks about the bees. And bees are really cool because they go all the way out through all the little fields, pick up little bits of pollen from everywhere, bring it back to the house, and then they throw up. And it becomes honey, right? <laughs> like, it's kind of gross, right? But, like, that's what they do. Like, they go out and pick up from everywhere. They digest it, or as we say with cows, they ruminate on it, right? They chew again, chew again, chew again, which is a great image of meditation. And then they serve up this sweet, awesome, beautiful, can't even expire or go bad, honey, right? It's a fascinating image that, that is given to us, of, you know, whether they're making wax for the, for the, for the candle or, or honey to, to eat, right? It's this image of them using the things of, that God gives to make an even greater gift, right? And so it's a cool thing for us to think about, like, that that's what we're doing. We are, we're receiving honey from ancient ages past as we meditate on this stuff. And I'll say this, like, you can, again, flip through lots of different uh, things, and if you get tired of, you know, meditating on, like, how our stuff is phrased— Go get one of those old, like, uh, Sunday missiles that maybe your grandma or grandpa had. It's going to be basically the same prayers, but they're going to have a different translation. And sometimes that brings new stuff out. Sometimes slightly different words hit you in different ways because no translation is perfect. And you might find new things in there. I found my dad's old First Communion missile from, like, 1950-something, 52, right? And that was amazing to read through there. And see the pictures? I kind of wanted to, like, keep it, but I gave it back. Um, but there's so much stuff there. And we're going to talk about this more tomorrow, but really what you're doing it, you're becoming ever more part of the story. The story of God's people, which is the scriptures, the story of God's uh, creation and covenant, the story that God is, is then retelling every time we go to Mass, the story of the Christian people now. Uh, all of these, we're becoming more and more part of them. And so that's a cool thing that why do we pray on the Mass, on the scriptures, on the words of saints? Because it makes us ever more part of this ongoing story. And it is an ongoing story. Final thing I'll tell you that you need to do in these first few minutes, hours of, of retreat is pray for unique graces. Pray for what you need at this time. We are told through spiritual writers and, and, and uh, saints that retreats are times of special graces, and there's certain graces you can only get while you're on retreat. So think of what you want to ask for. Maybe God has a different gift that he wants to give you, but there's no reason not to ask. That was yesterday's uh, gospel, right? Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and shall be open. Why not? What do you got to lose, right? And if he gives you a different gift, a different grace, then you're like, okay, that must have been a really important one. If he was going to, you know, say, I'll give you something better and gives us that, right? That's an amazing sort of thing. So make sure to do that um, in your, in your, sometime before you go to bed tonight. Uh, make, those, make that intention or just say, okay, God, whatever you want. I don't even ask. Empty hands, I come with empty hands, fill me up, like St. Therese said, come with empty hands, fill me up with whatever you want, I want whatever graces you have to offer me.